the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, and what a beautiful afternoon it is. And uh, let's start off with a couple quotes get you thinking, because that's what this show is all about. If an injustice requires you to be the agent of injustice to another, then I say break the law. Let your life be a counter friction to stop the massive government machine. That's David Thoreau, by the way. It is vain to recall the past unless it works some influence upon the future. By the way, that's the quote that a lot of the people are using to knock down Civil War statues. Uh, oh, well. The mind that finds its way to wild places is the poet's. But the mind that never finds its way back is the lunatic. Ain't that the truth? All right. So if you go to WHK 1420, uh, you, you can get to some – well, you can – send away for some really good stuff. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, you know, it has uh, my webpage there, and uh, there's all sorts of good stuff that you can get if you just go there. And I would suggest that, uh, you know, it, there's some pretty darn good information uh, if, if you're so willing to do that. Uh, so you go to WHK1420 on your computer, Go to a local podcast. And by the way, has all my podcasts going back about a year and a half. So you can see, you can actually listen back in February of 2020, when I, 2020, I mean, when I was saying, hey, I think it's time to raise some cash. I'm worried about the market. We could have a 10, 15% correction. Turned out to be a little bit more than that, maybe a lot more, but at least I warned you. Okay. Um, so, but we have in there, uh, oh, first of all, if you go there, Rob Schleimer's weekly piece is there. And I think it's very important that you read that. Rob is one of the top technicians on the planet. All right. He was with Funstrat. He was with RBC before that. They voted him as one of the best. Uh, he went to Funstrat. They, they loved him there. We brought him back because Bob Dickey, who was one of my favorites, retired. Both of these together, these guys together, they did things differently, but they came out with the same result, which was interesting. Also on there is a weekly newsletter. There's all sorts of things about interest rates. And then if you go to Insights, which is up top, that's under bulletin board, by the way. And if you go to Insights, there's all sorts of brand new research. We change it on a weekly basis for the most part, okay? So there's new research that you can find where we name names. We name ideas for you, okay? So if you're doing it yourself, which I think you're crazy, uh, but, uh, you know, that's okay. Anyway, it's there for you. We also have the Business Owner's uh, Guide to Transition Planning, uh, the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook, A Woman and Wealth. This is a planning workbook for all you ladies out there. And for, for Money Matters for Young Professionals, which I think is a very, very good idea. Uh, okay, so uh, where should we start? <laughs> let's, let's start with a couple ideas here. Uh, here's a couple things that I think are really kind of interesting. The average new car price hit a record, $38,255. By the way, in 1955, $38,255 was the top 2% wage earners. So that's how much it costs now. That's up 12% from the same time last year. Used cars are up 31%. Isn't that interesting? The total balance sheet for households and nonprofits rose to $136.9 trillion in the first quarter. Uh, to give you some perspective on that, that's a 3.8% increase from the previous quarter and almost double Americans' wealth from 10 years ago. The, uh, the gain uh, came, by the way, 
amid a uh, 7% increase in the S&P 500 that boasts, boasted the equity wealth by $3.2 So life is good. <laughs> and here's that. I have a friend who, uh, who insures fireworks companies, but fireworks were involved with an estimated 15,600 15, injuries treated in U.S. hospital emergency rooms during the calendar year of 2020. Uh, so it's kind of a bummer. Anyway, uh, look, I was looking at some things, and I, w- I was reading uh, Lori Calcina, and Lori is our head strategist, which is a very good one, by the way. And she's talking about a better overall tone, and she's keeping a she's been keeping a close eye on margins and a few other things. But let's let's go uh, to the beginning. What she learned in the second week of earnings season was that the big things that you need to know, number one, the overall tone for management teams improved in week two. Uh, While we generally sense a better tone regarding the ability of companies to manage through the margin pressures, we also came away with the impression that management teams are inclined to see general inflationary and supply chain pressures as enduring a bit longer. And while the upward earnings revisions are still happening, we continue to see a softening in the earnings settlement, or sentiment, I'm sorry, the rate of upward revisions, all right? So the revisions are there, but they're not as glorious as they were, uh, uh, you know, a quarter ago. Uh, now, stock reactions to the earnings were fairly mixed, and that's, you know, 41% of the 79 companies that reported rose 1%, and 42% fell 1%. What was interesting is a lot of that technology stocks, which have been kind of leading the way, blew up uh, or didn't go up. You know, Apple had gone up prior to earnings, so the fact that it didn't uh, go is, you know, probably normal. Uh, same with Amazon. Amazon, you know, broke out and then got whacked, but Amazon's done that a couple times too. But I, I noticed with smaller companies that were kind of leading the way uh, in the digital world, they reported earnings and got whacked. So we'll see what happens there. So I think the big macro debate of the day uh, were they weren't ignored in this season. So, you know, I, I saw a couple things that, you know, that I thought were kind of interesting. Number one, uh, a lot of companies, you know, well, well, let's put it this way. There was a clear divergence in performance between companies that were beating consensus on the earnings per share and revenues so far and those missing. I mean, big, big change. And despite the mixed stock price reaction, the S&P 500 climbed last week due at least in part to a better tone for management teams that, you know, generally came out positive uh, to week one. So, you know, that, that's, that's, you know, that's good. Okay. But I think the real key was it was a better tone on margins as well. Uh, but, you know, what's, I think what's bugging people in the background is, is taxes and maybe over, you know, supplying the economy with money. All right, because, you know, now we're talking about, uh, you know, another uh, big infrastructure plan, which isn't, you know, it's really a, <laughs> uh, it's, it's what the left wants, everything the left ever wanted and more. Um, it, what's interesting, though, I read an article, what may stop them is they have to get uh, a spending increase through the budget, through the through Congress. And I think it takes 55 senators to OK uh, the debt limit increase. So that may be the Republicans' <clears throat> secret weapon. But look, the, so the margins were better, but inflation is out there, taxes are out there, and and I don't think it's going to disappear anytime soon, okay? The other thing <clears throat> is the earnings sentiment continued to slip, meaning that the forecasts continued to inch up a little, but not a lot. You know, for example, the, you know, the S&P 500, we, we started out the week with 193 for the year, $193 for the whole S&P 500. And it got to 195, 194.95. Okay, I'm 134.95, 194.95. I'm sorry. So we're seeing some things that we like, but not as many as we'd like to like. <laughs> All right. So I, I guess you know we we talked about this last week. We'll talk about it again. Summer hasn't seen much respite from the stock markets. Uh, but it's normal for outside forces or concerns to knock down the market from time to time. Okay, you know you, you can count on a five or ten percent correction every year. Uh, it'd be a weird year if it didn't come through. Uh, but look, you take two steps forward, you take one step back, so you can get a running jump. All right, simple as that. 
Uh, and even though some of the major indexes are only slightly below their all-time highs uh, that they reached, the market has, you know, has been jolted. You know, what, what a week ago Monday we were down 2.1 percent on Monday, uh, and we were down 3 percent for the week. The one thing that's kind of bugging me is that the advanced decline line stopped going up, and that's the number of advancers versus decliners, and it is divided by each other. You don't want to see the markets move up without the foot soldiers and the archers and all the guys. You know, you don't want the, the kings and the knights to lead without anybody behind them. But there are some very durable uh, dynamics here, and uh, you know, we're also seeing some problems. So, for example, you know, Delta. This is the new, you know, the change in the virus. Is, is difficult because there's less tolerance for shutdowns right now. But we're seeing, you know, increases. And I know a lot of people are not wearing masks, whether they've been uh, vaccinated or not. So that's that's kind of interesting. But I think this uh, this economic cycle has a lot of le- uh, longevity to it. Uh, so I think it'll continue for a while. And I forgot to mention that this is a live show. So if you have a question, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Now, the Treasury yields have had more on influence on sector positioning than the levels of equity index. So let me just say that the Treasury yield chart is exactly like the regional bank chart. So making a series, of, it's, it's, it's a pennant formation on the way down. Now, those can be very bullish if indeed... They, they turn up. And one of the things I've been noticing is the Russell 2000, you know, 2100 is kind of the line in the sand. If it breaks there, you got to get out of small caps. But if it turns, and remember, there's 500 regional banks in the in Russell 2000, it might turn big. So if we have a turn in interest rates, things could get really interesting. So it's kind of par for the course with, with the COVID-19 inflation and fiscal and monetary uncertainties lingering. Um, I think you know, investors should expect some additional market volatility. And, and I, I think there's going to be some growth concerns. They were obviously there earlier in the week uh, or last week. I'm sorry. Uh, there's expectations for monetary support, et cetera. The debt ceiling limits, you know, they have to be, uh, you know, preposed. But look, I, I read Tom Porcelli this week, who is our chief U.S. economist, and he had a really good piece. He called the taper teed up. And you know, he, he first of all, he talked about Blake Wynn, our uh, rate strategist, and, uh, you know, what he said about the FMOC, uh, FMOC meeting. And he thinks that there's a December taper call and uh, a, a late 2022 uh, hike. But he said, our regular readers should know that we have thought the taper would kick off in December. However, now we think it could actually start in November. And, and first was the act of, of that teed up the taper was the inclusion of the sentence, the economy has made progress towards these goals, and the committee will continue to assess progress in the coming meetings. That was a necessary first step to the actual taper announcement, is what he thinks, okay? So you could check that box off. And then then there was a necessary first step in the actual taper announcement uh, that he said, we've seen it with successive waves of COVID over the past years and some months now, there has tended to be less in the way of economic implications from each wave. So, you know, it, you could see some very interesting stuff going on now. Now, one of the things I've been noticing is, you know, oil and gold have been just, they, they pulled back and then they just sat. Nobody's talking about it. Okay. Copper the same way. Copper's pulled back, but it's only been a slight pullback. Gold, you'd think it would, it fell thousand points the way people are talking about it yet it's just it's pulled back and now it's resumed over 1800 okay but one area that might be a good place to make money is natural gas and what we saw was the storage inventory data points uh to a very bullish macro view of the u.s uh injection of of only 38 bcfs it was way below wall street uh median estimates of 42 so that's that's interesting now we had an injection a couple of weeks ago that was quite larger, but uh, storage levels remain in a favorable position after exiting the withdrawal season, roughly you know five percent below the five-year average and twelve percent below the year's average. So natural gas may be a place that you want to pay uh, closer attention to. Okay, now look, 
uh, I was I was listening to uh, Bob Schle- uh, Rob Schleimer. I'm sorry, I keep getting him and Bob Dickey mixed up. My apologies. They're both phenomenal guys. But look, there's a couple things here, and I I'm going to emphasize this to everybody out there who's trading your own account because I'm I'm already looking at this small cap you've got to watch the 2100 level on the Russell 2000. All right. Uh, now, like I said, this is a situation where if you look at the 10 year yield and you superimpose the KRE, which is the ETF for regional banks, they're almost identical. Okay. But that 2100 level for the Russell is the line in the sand because that could be a major top if we break down from there. Now you could have an undercut or whatever, but, if you look at some of the emerging market index ETFs, like the MXEF, it's broken its 50-day and 200-day moving average. That's not good. And the relative performance versus the S&P is very terrible. Now, the other one, which is fairly obvious if you've been listening to the news, is the Dragon China Index, the HXC, had a pretty dramatic collapse. But it went right down to its long-term support. So it'll be interesting to see. Now, it's relative performance to the S&P 500. Absolutely terrible. So, But I think the 10-year yield is the interesting one because it came right to its 200-day moving average and stopped. Okay? And I'm talking about the yield now. So what this means is the bonds went up and the, and the yield went down. And the other air, uh, thing that I saw that's kind of a, in a signs of an early bottom of a correction is the airline index. And uh, Rob points this out. The the XAL came right down to its 200-day moving average and stopped again. So, you know, those are things that you have to uh, to think about. And um, look, uh, I also uh, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Some things don't work on on live radio, uh, like my like my machine. But last week I talked about uh, the uh, the overall uh, markets and. Uh, you know, I, I talked about fintech future, okay, and and how we're seeing a lot of people go to payments. Uh, and I thought it was interesting because we have Dan Perlin, who's a really good analyst, by the way, and recommended highly by the institutions. And he said early warning services announced transactions of its on its Zelle P2P payment network increased 68%. Volume increased 58% to $120 billion. This network now has over a thousand financial institutions representing more than 500 bank accounts. Digital transactions corporately, it's called Interbank or ACHE. You know, we do it at our, our place all the time. Maybe you should call in and get uh, his research. <laughs> hey, we'll be right back. This is Smart Investor Show. Remember the number here is 216 901 0945. Stay tuned. Uh, you know, I was, I was listening to Tom Lee this week, and he's a pretty smart guy. He's a fun strat. He used to be Morgan Stanley's uh, chief strategist. And, you know, uh, he said that the Delta, the U.K. Delta surge last, lasted uh, 45 days, and it remains important because it's at a break point. And I think this is important for everybody because, uh, you know, that could cause the market to head south for the winter, you know what I mean, or for the fall. So, um We'll be careful. Anyway, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. In the meantime, I think we have John on the line. John, how are you? Hey, Tim. Not bad. How about yourself? No complaints at all. Hey, you know, I was. Um, you, you were earlier talking about the um, the uh, small caps at twenty one hundred, and um, yeah, know, I was. I was interested in a couple of things that I was looking at. Is it seemed like during July? Well, not seemed like it was that uh, like the institutions were buying up all the mega cap growth and. You know, the mega cap tech, I mean, uh, you know, like you had Amazon run up and and a lot of those stocks ended up seeming very extended. And then they had the fall, you know, and the thing is, I was, are you imagining there's this correction in um, in NASDAQ with that? I mean, in the QQQs with that, do you think that money would go into the small cap growth? Or do you think that if there is a correction because money's flowing out of Facebook or, or Google because of the earnings or Microsoft or, or Amazon, Apple? 
Do you think that money that those that if that goes down, it'll bring down the small caps? In other words, we've seen them. Um, you know what I'm saying is we've seen a lot of you know growth, uh, a lot of money going into the mega caps, and I've even seen short numbers, short interest going higher on the, the, the Russell stocks. And and I'm curious to think what your take is if 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 there's a correction in the QQQs, does that bring down the uh, the small caps, or you, or do you think this money going to be rotating into those? Uh, John, about uh, 71% of the stocks are down over 15% since uh, March 1st. So they've, they've already been corrected. We're in a rotational yes. correction right now. So you're not seeing the stock market. But what I said earlier is there's 500 regional banks in the Russell. So when interest rates go down, the spread that the regional banks can earn goes down with it. So if you look at the Russell 2000 index, and then you look at the KRE, which is the regional bank index, they're identical. Same chart. So if interest rates pick up, that would probably help the Russell break out to the north because, you know, I think 2370 is the breakout to the north. So uh, it, it's coming down simply because the banks, the regional banks have a big influence on the Russell. You know, the Russell 2000 is not just a growth index. It's a growth and value index. Uh, there is sure. a Russell 1000 growth and there is a Russell 1000 value, but it, it's a growth and value index, so it's mixed. But if interest rates pick up, you won't have a problem. So, do you think? I mean, are you? What, what would you imagine for small cap growth in particular? Uh, well, I mean, small cap growth is either te- is technology, biotechnology, that type of thing. Biotechnology. Uh, there was a bunch of institutions that bought it in the middle of the last quarter. Uh, and bought 5% positions in biotechnology, and, and they, they look like death warmed over. So I don't know what to do with those. Uh, the small cap technology, now I've got a lot of those, and I'm making a lot of money on them right now. I mean, up like 60 70% this year. And uh, But that area is extended too. So I've just noticed a couple stocks that I own had really good earnings, and they beat them up. So who knows? We'll find out, I guess. But, uh, you know, Sometimes, uh, to, in order to have a big stock, you have to go through a little volatility. I mean, uh, Coupa yeah. Software is one that I, I had quite a bit of, and <laughs> volatile isn't the word for it. <laughs> yeah, it works, I know. Man. Yeah. Well, so you know, what you said, 15, 15% of the Russell is over is, uh, is down, and, and is, you know, I'm just wondering if it's, I mean, it, 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 I really don't know. Well, if it's, I'm if talking not just Russell. I'm talking about all stocks. 71% yeah, yeah. of all stocks are down about 15% or more. So there's been a rolling correction, yeah. and it's just been masked by the fact that the stock, Dow Jones, the S&P 500, hit new highs. So it's a limited yeah. number of stocks. That's not what you want. So are you looking at, okay. at are you looking at, at, at getting into a lot of the, the ones that are down, or are you looking at just seeing that as a bad sign for the market in general? Uh, I, you know, I think you got to see the whites of their eyes first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great right, day. So, uh, anyway, um, uh, by the way, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. If you got a question, look, I think the cycle, and you know, look, there's a seventeen year cycle. So if we look out, you know, in a, for a bullish, for a bull, a secular bull market, it's a seventeen year cycle, and it's a seventeen year cycle for a bear market. And I don't know why that is, but it, it goes back to when the stock market opened. But there's a four-year cycle, and we, it, we're still in the positive end of that four-year cycle So uh, because we had our big sell-off. And, you know, we talked about that last year in February and January, the four-year cycle ending, and it did. <laughs> and then with a bang. Uh, but I think there's more sector and style rotation developing uh, going into the third quarter than I've seen in a while. It was favoring cyclicals for a while, and then they died. But I'm noticing a bid in copper stocks, in gold stocks. And uh, basic material stocks, some aluminum stocks, you know, names like that. So we'll see what happens. So it'll be interesting to see if that the 10-year Treasury holds at the 200-day moving average. Now, I'm talking about the yield now, okay? So we're right at that uh, area, and I think it'll probably stay that way. So secular growth is good. Cyclical growth is good. And I think what you need to do is, you know, if you have a barbell and you're lifting weights, the bar should be your Procter & Gamble's and your high-quality dividend players, okay? On one side, you should have value, and on the other side, you should have growth. 
And, uh, you know, I think both will work. <laughs> so uh, there we go. Now, we are testing the upper end of a 12-year channel. And that's something you gotta you got to remember. Uh, but I look at the weekly momentum, or the quadrant balance momentum indicator that uh, Rob Schleimer uses a lot. And it's oversold. It looks like it's turning up. So, you know, not sure what to do here. It's, it's a little bit more difficult, but I, I, I see the advanced decline line not participating. And, and that's something I'm, I'm a little bit worried about. Um, now, I've seen a couple things. Um, you know, if you look at rotation um, and, and, you know, there's uh, Julius de Kippenar, uh has a great, you know, he, he does uh, the relative rotation graph on his, and his work. And if you look, you want to avoid the small caps until they show the whites of their eyes. And I, I, I'm seeing that right now. Now, things change, okay? But as of now, I don't think you want to be piling into these things. But if, if they hold 2100, and I think it's going to be all about interest rates, uh, I think you'll be uh, in, in very good shape, all right? Um, now, somebody asked me about which you know, which industries I should be in. And uh, you know, it's, like I said, I'm seeing a bid in silver, gold, copper, uh, aluminum, you know, names like that. And I'm just, um, I'm wondering why. Okay. Uh, so we'll see that. Now, uh, what else am I seeing? <laughs> um, you know, like I said, the, the, the Russell is the one that intrigues me because we're very, you know, the momentum indicators are very oversold, but the relative performance has been breaking down against the S&P 500. So you'd like to see uh, that turn up. And if it turns up, and I think it'll turn up with interest rates, it could be very interesting. Now, the bullish sentiment, uh, which is a contrary indicator, has been very negative uh, or very, because it's been so optimistic, but it's been pulling back. I mean, it got up to 61 uh, at one time, and now, uh, you know, it's back in the... Uh, Oh, I can't see it. Sorry. The glasses, about 44%, which is much better. The bears, uh, who had been, uh, you know, really bearish back in uh, January, got, got killed. Uh, they were at 50% bears at that point, are now back to 25% bears, but they're starting to turn up. Uh, people are neutral, who have been pretty neutral for a couple of years, uh, fell down and then turned right back around also. Now, I keep getting the question growth versus value. And, and, you know, I personally said on the air that value was very, very undervalued compared to growth. And it, it still is. But it's not as, you know, growth was extremely overvalued in 2019, 2020. And now uh, they've been kind of equal with, with actually growth picking up lately, but value had won the game for a while. And that's small cap, mid cap, and, and, uh, uh, large cap. So, uh, and I think high beta and low beta, you know, high beta has been pulling back a little bit. So that, that is value right now. Uh, some of the emerging markets are right where they got to stop. So be careful with those. Hey, let's take a break and we'll be right back. Remember the number here is 216 Thanks. We can dance if we want to. We can leave your plans behind. Because your friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, well, they're no friends of mine. Okay. And uh, I just got a question about the Shanghai Index uh, on email. <laughs> and uh, look, I looked at the chart, and it's still a fairly bullish uh uptrend, but uh, the relative performance versus the S&P 500 is breaking down. So I don't know what that means. But hey, uh, if you go to WHK 1420 AM and go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show and Tim Hayes, you know, we talk about uh, we have the prime income list, the dividend growth list. Uh, you, know, you go to my web page, you can sign up for these. You can also look at Insight. It all talks about the markets. Uh, they, they change it all the time. So and I, I mentioned the prime income list, the, the ADR list, the dividend growth the, in our ADR. Uh, well, our all cap portfolio has done extremely well. But there's a couple of reports out there that I highly recommend. The RBC Capital Markets Global Energy Power and Infrastructure Virtual Conference. And I'm looking at the updates from day two. Uh, 
Nobody owns energy. They don't even own green energy. They sold it all in the third quarter, okay? Energy stocks or oil stocks are now just 4.2% of the S&P 500. One of the lowest levels ever. Maybe they're going to zero, but I don't think they're going to. The other one is the report on the electrical grid. And it, this is a very vital industry that faces some historical upheavals. And there's great, great, uh, both are wonderful reports, and I highly recommend them. Now, look, the S&P 500 uh, continued to make new all-time highs the past couple of months. It's been primarily led by the mega cap stocks, uh, which I, we talked about earlier. But many of them have reported positive earnings this so so far, and our breath indicators have begun to show signs of weakness. Isn't that interesting? So this is the first uh, bullish, you know, the bullish percent for the S&P 500, not the overall bullish percent that we talk about, which we're just about to, is in a column of O's. So we're going up with less and less, we're hitting new highs, but the bullish percent in a column of O's. It, it remains above the 50% threshold, but it's still up there. And if we were to break 50, I think, you know, we could head south for the winter, as, as I said earlier. So now the bullish percent itself was up 3.9% for the week. So it was a big week for, uh, uh, you know, because we had the 800 point drop uh, on Monday, uh, a week ago, Monday, and then we rallied up. So we, you know, we went down almost 11 the week before. That's probably why. But we came up 3.9%, but it wasn't enough to turn it back into a column of Xs. So we're still in a column of Os. Now, the over-the-counter index uh, was just up, you know, the small caps didn't participate. So it's in a column of Os at 42%. And, you know, you're getting close to 30 there. Okay, so if we get wiped out, maybe that's the time to buy them, I guess. The world index is what is at 47%. I uh, was up just 0.07%. So it was the large caps that won the, the day this week. And so they're in a column of O's also. So we have everything in a column of O's. And, but now the bullish trend indicators saw movement. And differing from the bullish percent, each one of these are above 50, which is a big positive. All right. So, uh, the, but the bullish percent for the S&P 500 is in a column of O's, simple as that. Now, one of the things that we uh, we saw was technology made a big move in the dynamic asset level investors uh, investments, and this is provided to us by our friends of Dorsey Wright in Virginia. They're wonderful people. They're very smart money. Actually, I think the Nasdaq now owns them. But uh, and you know, t technology had faded into fourth or fifth place, and it rallied into second place. Uh, consumer cyclical, or i.e., retail, is still number one. But then it's technology, then it's industrials, then it's basic materials, then it's financials. What's interesting is healthcare, utilities, and consumer cyclicals are the last three. Uh, consumer non-cyclicals, I mean, is last. So nobody's buying any of the safe stocks. Interesting. Okay. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, now, one of the relationships that I think is important is the XLE, the oil stock. If we put them against the real estate sector or the industrial sector or the financial sector, for that matter, uh, the real estate sector went on relative strength buy, sec buy versus oil. And then if you looked at the real estate sector versus the financial sector, it went on a buy there, too. Very interesting. And then if I look at the real estate sector versus the industrial sector, real estate went on a buy again. So obviously, real estate, you know, which you can buy on the New York Stock Exchange and real estate investment trusts are doing quite well. All right. Uh, so it's something that you better pay attention to because, uh, you know, uh, REITs provide really nice dividend yields, by the way. So, you know, something to think about. Now, if I took the real estate sector versus the healthcare sector, once again, we go into a column of X's. So real estate is starting to gain some traction. All right, it's gaining a bid. Now, look, I looked at uh, the the ten big um, uh, indexes, and here's what I saw. And I, I guess the Dow Jones has been positive for two weeks. The uh, S and P 500 has been positive for two weeks. The X, the XLG, which is the large stocks, 
and the QQQs have been positive for seven weeks. Now, the Invesco equal weight index, where each stock gets one vote from the S&P 500, has been negative for 12 weeks. The small caps have been negative for 20 weeks, and the mid caps have been negative for 16 weeks. So, John, this is what we're asking. We're answering your question. That's a long time in the stock market. So if the interest rates turn up, I think these will turn up also. It doesn't make sense, but it means that the economy is doing better. And uh, there you go. So they have, you know, the S&P 500, we're not getting full participation. Okay. You can't have 12 weeks of negative momentum, but the larger names are doing okay. Okay. So that's usually where people go when they're worried about the rest of the market. Right. I, I said it. <laughs> now, I did notice that the EEM, which I have a little bit of, uh, you know, if I look at the uh, the, um, the international stocks, uh, has broken a double bottom and uh, it's got some support down at, at the 40, at the 37, uh, 47 level. I'm sorry. Uh, but it also could be a shakeout pattern if it reverses up here. We'll, we'll find out the hard way. But, you know, anything that had China in it. Uh, has had a problem. <laughs> you know, China, uh, and this is fully their government participation here, they they basically shot themselves in the foot as far as, uh, you know, they're just wiping out capitalism in, in the markets. And I think what they want to do is go from the New York Stock Exchange to Hong Kong, because then they'll have to report. You know, Alibaba wouldn't have to do half the reporting it does right now, because uh, they don't want anybody to know what's going on. Now, here's what's really interesting. Favored sectors, we talk about this every week. There are only five favored sectors this week. And remember what I said back in the in the spring that the, the sign curve was all to the right and that you wanted to move in left. Well, it's moving left. Almost 60% of the different favorite sectors are below 44. That's interesting. So we have some favored sectors. Uh, and I'm going to talk about the most overbought now, so you'll want to wait on these, I think. Gas utilities at 70%. Uh, waste management and savings and loans at 66%. Banks at 60 And then the only other one below 50 is healthcare. So healthcare is probably a, you know, making a nice little move here. Uh, that might be, you know, a lot, of, a lot of procedures were put off because of COVID. The question is, will they come back? Uh, a lot of testing in biotechnology has been put off because of COVID. The question is, will they come back? But we only have five favorite sectors now. So what I'm telling you is the market is thin, very thin, okay? Uh, and, and that's something you should pay very close attention to, all right? So uh, a couple other things here real quickly. The Chinese stocks went, went from uh, five which is a pretty big ranking on the Dorsey Wright system, to 1.5 in two weeks. Very interesting. As far as sectors are concerned, insurance went to completely unfavored. Biotech, Internet, and electronics went to un just standard unfavored. Uh, computers and oil services went to average. Savings and loans went from favored to just average. So we're seeing quite a few uh, things pick up there. Now, if you look at some of the foreign markets, ex-China, you know, like Crane Shares has the KEMX. They're still looking pretty good. <laughs> so China has been the, the big upheaval. Now, somebody asked me about fixed income. And, and like I said, with fixed income, I would highly recommend laddered portfolios. That means, you know, so let's say you want a stock bond portfolio, 60% in, in, in stocks. Uh, I would probably be, you know, most of those would be in the S&P 500 if you're you're buying bonds, you're probably a little bit more risk adverse. Uh, and then you'd have two years, you know, I mean, so much money or 2% or 10% in four different bond portfolios. So they're coming due all the time uh, because that, that way you uh, don't hurt yourself. But the best looking bonds are the U.S. government long bond, but, you know, they're up a lot. So you don't want to you want to buy yield when it's down and then convertible bonds and emerging market income. Uh, emerging market really got whacked pretty hard. I did notice uh, with with some of the uh, uh, commodities, gold and copper, which have been negative for multiple months, turned positive. And the dollar is, despite trading very consecutive point and figure buy, uh, buying signals, it's right at a major resistance level. So be careful there, too. 
All right, so stocks moving to buy signals on the relative strength. Remember, that all the relative strength is you're pairing your stock to the S&P 500 equal weight. I had MBIA go to a positive sign. MicroStrategy, which is a $600 stock. Uh, Loma Negra Campania, which is uh, from Argentina. Uh, Domo, and uh, that's it. On the sell side, we have a lot more sales. We have Activision, uh, DMC Global. Capital Senior Living, Bright Cove, MKS Instruments, NetEase, Netgear, Portfolio Recovery Associates, Sun Opta, Babcock and Wilcox, Fortive, Forte Biosciences, Canopy Growth, uh, Zaylab, iClick International uh, Interactive. I'm sorry, uh, Billabai, uh, Pindio Dio. That's a uh, retail company, uh, and. Then we have Reverence. Oh, uh, well, well, we'll just go with that. Uh, so we have several, as you can see, that are we have a lot more sells and buys right at the moment. So, like I just think right now we have the bullish percent, the column of O's. It's at fifty. You know, from fifty down to thirty is a long way. Okay, which we found out a couple times in in the last ten years. Uh, so be careful. So have a little cash. And you know, people ask me what I'm doing. Well, I'm. I'm watching my small caps very closely, and uh, I had a couple report dynamite earnings uh, last week, and they got beat up pretty hard. Now, I'm up big on them. I'm up 200 300% on them. So I'm watching those very closely uh, for support and, uh, you know, paying close attention. Also, if, you know, if you've got stocks that are lagging the market pretty drastically, look at why you bought them in the first place, okay? Why did you buy them in the first place? I always write it down. I always have a notebook next to me saying, hey, you know, I bought this. I, you know, look, I, I wrote down four or five stocks, uh, you know, for next week. And I wrote down the reason I'm, I like them. <laughs> All right. Uh, a couple is just chart patterns, but that's the way it goes. Hey, we're going to be right back uh, with the insider buys and just a little bit more on the markets. So stay tuned. This is Martin Messer Show, 216-901-0945. Get you into the uh, studio. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. And if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Um, you know, we uh, we kept kind of a, a general theme each week, okay? And if you don't have a theme, if you don't have a methodology, you shouldn't be doing your own investing. If you're buying what your neighbor tells you to buy, you're going to get burned sometime in the future, <laughs> right? So I have a methodology. I know what I'm looking for. I know what I'm doing. Uh, I read all the research reports every week, uh, and I also do my charts every day, okay? And I do it for my clients as well. You know, I buy, I buy the same stocks my clients buy, okay? So, uh, but that's important. What's more important, I think, now is a wealth plan. If you don't have a wealth plan, you're, I think you're in trouble, all right? If you don't have it written out saying, you know, I always talk about the family inventory workbook. You know, it's a, something you can just put everything down in. Here's my insurance. Here's where it is. Boom, boom, boom. It took me a long time to put together, personally, okay? But it's done. So if something happens to me, my wife knows, all right? Simple as that. But the wealth plan, what I like about it is interactive. So you can say, what happens if I fall asleep for a year and the market goes to, you know what? Uh, what happens to my retirement plan? It gives you a, a percentage chance of how you're going to win or lose, okay? Now, remember, I went on the air in 2007, at the end of 2007, and I said the money market would outperform the stock market next year. And I was right. And I had a lot of cash. I mean, I had five new accounts that I put to, to cash, okay? Uh, I didn't do much that year. I had Chesapeake, which I sold this summer, and a couple other things. I sold some gold. Uh, in March, uh, you know, of 2008, and that's the way it works sometimes, though. But because I was, you know, the report looked pretty good once I went to cash. They said the probability of your retirement is now 80%, okay? So uh, it's a it's an excellent product, and I highly recommend it. Anyway, we always talk about insiders. 
I like insiders because they know more about their company than you and I do, probably more than the analysts. As a matter of fact, they're right 64% of the time, and the analyst is right 57% of the time. Now, the analyst, you know, is unfortunately what they don't tell you is they're telling you what's best in their group, okay? And there's some analysts that are very good. But if their group is out of favor, then they can be wrong. And that's that's kind of the problem with being an analyst. Uh, you know, when you're when you're hot, you're very, very hot because you know which which group which company is the best, all right? In the insider's case, they don't care what's happening. They're buying. And you know what? You sell stocks for a lot of reasons. You buy for one. That's it. You'll want to make money. Simple. Okay. So anyway, um, BioMX. There have been a whole bunch of buyers there. Uh, and they had the CFO bought twice. He bought $15,000 worth, and then he bought another $15 worth, $15,000 uh, 15, shares, I'm sorry. The CEO bought 100,000 shares, and a director bought 50,000 shares, and another director bought 15,000 shares, and another director bought 12,500 shares. Stock's low price, about six bucks. Be careful, everybody. And then the New Jersey pension. I was watching, you know, I, I go on all sorts of sites for, you know, insider buying. And this is very underfunded pension. So they may be trying to hit the home run, who knows, but they bought AMC and Tilray, which was up three bucks, which is about, uh, you know, 18, 19%. Last week on better than expected earnings. This is a, a, a pot stock. And then Carnival Cruise Lines, which, you know, we were talking about cruise lines last summer when they were 11 bucks. Uh, I sent, by the way, I bought a bunch of it. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, also, I noticed that G, uh, Glaxo, uh, you know, Elliott bought more stock. So uh, they're really pushing them to change things a little bit. And by the way, for those of you who owned GE, it did do a reverse split this week. It's more in, uh, it's like a four for one reverse split. All right. So some other ones that I saw this week were Absi. Now this was a new issue and, and Red Mile Group, which is smart money, uh, bought 1.875 million shares or a $30 million value. And then Eli Kasten, who's a very smart guy, uh, he also runs a fund called the uh, Kasten Partners Master Fund. They bought 1.562 million shares or $25 million twice, all right, uh, which is, you know, that's something you always like to see. And then we had uh, Karen McGinnis, who's a director. She bought 15,000 shares to the tune of $250,000 worth. So you like, you like seeing that, uh, you know, multiple buyers is, is something I, I, I enjoy. And Inera. Which is a biotech stock that just got absolutely killed. It was seven bucks. It's now like five thirty-nine. Uh, we did see a director, Mark Chin, buy one point three 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 million shares, or about nine eight million dollars worth. And then uh, Land Martin Landis, who's a very smart guy, by the way, uh, who's a director of uh, Crown Castle, which is a REIT that specializes. Well, it's it's in the technology area. It absolutely clobbered. It was 200. Now it's like 193. Uh, I noticed he stepped up twice and bought uh, 7,000 shares to the tune of 1.3 million. And then two days later, he bought 4,200 for 800,000. So you, you like seeing that too. Now, I saw a couple of things that I thought were kind of interesting. These are smaller buys, but I think they're interesting anyway. Oh, well, uh, Juan Luciano, Luciano was CEO and president of uh, Archer Daniels Midland. About a million dollars with stock last week. And remember, we had a buyer the week before who was a director, so a uh, very large buyer, by the way. But Glacier Bancorp, there hasn't been any new insider buys here for almost two years. Stock was uh, 62 bucks. It's now 51 This is one of those regional banks, okay? So uh, the chairman of the board bought uh, $750,000, well, $770,000 worth of stock, which I think is you know pretty positive. And then uh, also uh, Nicolette Bank shares. We had the CFO. I like when CFOs buy. Uh, his name is Moore. He bought uh, three hundred fifty thousand dollars worth, and then two days later he bought one hundred ninety-four thousand. He was joined by a director who bought another two hundred twenty, and another director who bought two hundred forty worth of stock. Uh, so you know those are things you like to see. Uh, and then uh, we also had Minim Communications uh, Group or Minim Inc. Their communications equipment stock—they got kind of pummeled. It went from like five bucks to two fifty in a in a month. Uh, and uh, Graham Chenoweth, 
who's the chief executive officer, bought 200,000 shares to the tune of $500,000. It's the first buy there in a long, long time. Uh, so <laughs> that's, you know, after getting clobbered, you like to see that. And then Joshua Horowitz uh, bought uh, uh, 40,000 shares too. So there you go. All right. So let's continue on and talk a little bit about uh, what's what we're seeing. Um, now, I want, uh, since, since the guy, uh, his name is Ed, uh, emailed me during the show, I just wanted to say, talk a little bit more about the Shanghai index. The relative strength breaking down, but it is in a triangle pattern. Uh, now, the question is, you know, with triangle patterns, it's kind of like flips. You get to flip a coin because if it breaks to the top side, it's usually a very impressive move after that. If it breaks to the downside, you got to be careful. The fact that it's not performing well versus the S&P 500 just means that the S&P 500 is doing better. It's not a terrible, terrible thing. I, I am seeing, you know, you'd like to see it turn up, obviously, but uh, that could happen uh, whenever. But, you know, part of the problem with the Shanghai index is that, like the Golden Dragon index, which is the really the market capitalization weighted index of companies whose common stocks are traded in the U.S., just got killed. So the fact that it's holding up is, is probably a big positive, all right? Now, one of the things, you know, I, I mentioned, and I said small caps are kind of tied, you know, the Russell 2000 is kind of tied to the 10-year yield because of the number of regional banks in that index. Now, I was looking at the relative strength, or RSI momentum, and I look at it weekly. And if it turns up from here, that would be very, very positive. And it's, you know, it's under the 50 mark. So, uh, uh, you know, it had got to over to 80. And this is for the 10-year yield. And that's when I said, you know, if we broke 181, we'd, we'd go to probably 2%. We didn't. We went the other direction. All right. So, surprise, surprise. But we're right at the 200-day moving average, held the 200-day moving average, and the daily RSI, relative strength index momentum, uh, you know, it looks like it's made a double bottom in my particular, you know, in my eyes. And now I, the dollar has pulled back a little bit. I think the longer-term trend for the dollar remains down. People are replacing the dollar with Bitcoin. Um, don't ask me why, but, uh, you know, Bitcoin's here to stay, folks. It's not going away. Uh, you know, I mean, somebody somebody says this is worth something, and suddenly worth something. I I don't get it, but whether I get it or not, or it doesn't matter. Look, in the meantime, what I would do is go to WHK fourteen twenty, go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes Smart Investor Show, go to my webpage. You can get the top idea list, dividend growth portfolio, prime income list, top ideas, small cap, large cap, our multi cap ideas. Why you're there? Go to the Insight page and go to Rob Schleimer under Bulletin Board. The Insight page has new research every week. Rob Schleimer does a piece every week. There's the Business Owner's Guide to Transition Planning, Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, uh, Money Matters for Young Professionals and Women and Wealth, a planning guide. Get them all if you like. In the meantime, have a great weekend. This is Tim Hayes. By the way, if you want to have coffee, give me a call. Uh, remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.